Over a period of 20 years, the Long Island serial killer is suspected of murdering up to 16 people and dumping their bodies along the Ocean Parkway in Long Island. These crimes have never been solved, and as a result, the families of these victims have never seen justice. Some of these victims have never even been identified. This is Ossuary, and we're investigating the Long Island serial killer. We're back <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to us, guys. We're really sorry that we've been in a bit of a hiatus. Um, so many things have happened. Yeah, Sydney has moved upstate, I, which is I, both I, like woo because that's awesome and boo because we miss her. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So then Sarah was um, upstate as well for a month. It was I was upstate mm. for almost two months. Um, wow, I can't believe it was that long. Yeah. Oh, well, it's good to have you back. Both. It's well, I mean, back. it's good to be back in <laughs> yeah. general. I um, I went on two vacations this summer. I went upstate as well, sprained my ankle real bad. <laughs> then about- like immediately too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That and really then- is the story of your life though. Emma. Yeah. yeah. Like- <laughs> so apparently this is just what I do on vacation now. I just hurt myself. But yeah, we appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. Mm-hmm. We do. Mm-hmm. And guys, we're really excited to bring you the next two episodes. Um, So over the course of these episodes, we're going to be taking a deep dive into different perspectives on the case through a series of interviews. And these are going to be with a number of people who may or may not be associated with the case. Um, So we're really excited to share with you these interviews. Um, Like really, really, really excited. Very excited. So... This episode is dedicated to the perspectives of a a couple other people that might be helpful in just understanding the nuances of the case. So the first interview that we want to sort of put forth to you guys is with a native Long Islander. Her name is Kathleen. Um, She's a friend of mine and also, you know, a true crime aficionado. And I wanted to get her opinion because she was fascinated by the case, just like all of us are, and could provide a little bit of insight that we wouldn't be able to have. So... Here it is. So we're really excited to have our first guest on the show ever, Kathleen. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending the Hello, time everyone. to like, you know, talk about this with us. Um, it's obviously something that we're all very passionate about being true crime aficionados. And um, we're so excited to hear your take on Long Island Serial Killer. So um, can we just kind of start off with a bit of a background? Like what's your connection to Long Island? Sure. So I, I'm from... Uh, part of Nassau County called Garden mm-hmm. City, um, which is close to uh, the location of where Peach's torso uh-huh. was found at uh, Hempstead Lake State Park. Um, Gilgo Beach is a about an hour drive from where I'm from, so it's not like my chosen mm-hmm. beach. Um, but people I know go there, uh, especially now yeah. during mm-hmm. coronavirus, when people are trying to spread mm-hmm. out on beaches. A lot of people will go down to Jones Beach or Gilgo and Beach. So- because uh, I think Google Beach is also free. Yeah, visit, so. and like, what was it like growing up on Long Island? Um, what were those areas like that you were talking about? So uh, I specifically would visit Hempstead mm-hmm. Lake a lot because it's free to visit in the off seasons or when it's not so busy. Mm-hmm. So the activities that you can do there, like hiking, or there's a playground there. There's also a carousel there in the summer. So, so a lot of families are there. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, it's also right down the block from a riding academy, which I think is the only public equestrian school in Nassau County, which 
I looked at no. before I had this interview. So, <laughs> so I know our that information is accurate. <laughs> um, and my dad would bring us there because they ride horses up and down the road there because there's not a lot of traffic because the park is basically the main attraction. Is Yogo on that Beach road free? There. Do you know if that like I I think you said it I is, th- but I think it is because it's a state park, so mm-hmm. I think okay. it has to be free at least sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I I've never been there because mm-hmm. it's like they're out. Mm-hmm. I go to Long Beach. So ha- you haven't been to Gogo Beach, but do you have sort of an impression of what it's like there? Um, like, does it give you a vibe or anything like that? Yeah, I can tell you. We uh, talked about this in one of my classes in college because we talked about like the geography of Long Island, mm-hmm. um, and because it's right off uh, Robert Moses, that it's like very marshy. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Irish studies teacher in college would liken it to Irish bogs because mm-hmm. it's very marshy yeah. mm-hmm. and sunken. It's, I think it's really interesting that you bring that up because um, in my undergrad archaeology and forensics experience, um, we talk a lot about bog bodies and sort of that, uh, that area is, or that type of ecology is really interesting in the preservation of human remains. So it's just like... Um, something to think about, you know, if someone is familiar with that area and knows that it's got this type of, um, like wet atmosphere, um, what are they thinking about in terms of like disposing bodies? I know Emma in one of our last episodes actually quoted Joel Rifkin, um, who we're just going to quote all the time because, (laughs) you know, he is a Long Island serial Because he never stops talking either. Yeah. He really (laughs) likes to chat. Um, but that, you know, water is different than land and that presence of of wet um environment is really interesting and sort of attractive to some uh some people who are trying to dispose of human remains so i think that's interesting that you bring it up yeah and so kathleen how did you or when did you first hear about the case of the long island serial killer well in 2010 i was 15 and I wasn't really into true crime yet, so I can't specifically tell you. Uh, like, wh- in that moment, what was I feeling? Um, it's kind of just, like, everyone is aware of it, but there's nothing really to be done. Like, you can't really talk about it any further than, like, they found bodies down at Gilgo Beach, and, like, that's it, because there isn't a lot of information that's, like, mm-hmm. public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the news will cover things like bodies being identified, like recently, uh, News 12 covered uh, the belt that was released publicly, mm-hmm. and Valerie Mack being identified, but it's really only like breaking news things like that, mm-hmm. that people will really like talk about or interact with. Otherwise, it's kind of like, until there's a big break, it's like, just talked about and yeah we're moving on yeah do people talk about it a lot where you're from like is it something that comes up or you know what's like the tone surrounding the case I think because of the social movements now uh, especially uh, like movements to defund the police it's brought up because it's the most major case Mm -hmm. uh, or I guess cases now on Long Island that haven't been solved Mm -hmm. yeah and I think uh, people will bring it up because I think most people on Long Island think that the Suffolk County police are involved mm-hmm. with the case. There it is. <laughs> um, and if not, if if not, 
uh, I mean, even if they aren't involved, it still looks bad that yeah, it hasn't totally. been resolved. I feel like, you know, in just some of the conversations that I've had with, with people, it, it always sort of somehow comes back to the Suffolk County PD of, you know, um, was someone involved or like, yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. that like at the very least, they messed up really bad at the beginning of that investigation. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we've seen in other cases where police don't want to admit that and they don't want to further implicate themselves mm-hmm. in sort of like these negative ways. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they don't want to, they don't want to be seen as having mishandled mm-hmm. a case, first of all, right. but they certainly don't want to be seen as having mishandled a case that has garnered this much attention mm-hmm. and that is literally like this big that involves this many unsolved murders. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, you know, coming forward and saying like, okay, well, we might have messed up at the beginning, but we're really trying now. Everybody just doubles down and says, this just couldn't have, it couldn't have been done. We're mm-hmm, doing what yeah. we can now. Let's not talk about the past. We'll go from here on forward. Mm-hmm, and that's yeah. problematic because that doesn't address the failures in the beginning of it. Mm-hmm, totally. I, Absolutely. I feel like at very least, there is a huge amount of negligence on their behalf. And I feel like it's not a far shot to say that there is a conspiracy there as well whether they're covering up for someone else or covering up for themselves it's hard to say but I think it's I can see why people don't have much trust or faith in the Suffolk County Police Department because they bungled this so badly it's hard to not believe that they're involved well that and there's you know we have the whole thing with Spoda and Burke where people in positions of power within the police department are abusing their power. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to have faith in the system based on that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Kathleen, do you remember when Burke was um, involved in that like big scandal? Was that something that was talked about in the community at all? So I can't remember firsthand at the time, um, like when Burke was arrested, I can guarantee you it was definitely on news 12 and it was probably all over the internet but mm-hmm. it missed me because I don't live in Suffolk County. I live in Nassau County. Mm-hmm. Um, but still today, I mean, if you go on News 12 or if you see any kind of forum for Long Islanders that they talk about the case or they talk about the Suffolk County Police Department, his name is almost immediately brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing with Skoda, uh, mm-hmm. that they kind of tarnish the reputation of uh, both of their respective departments and mm-hmm. it's definitely shady and I think mm-hmm. people are aware of it but again it's kind of just a waiting game to see like will justice be served or is it enough or mm-hmm. kind of all up in the air yeah totally. yeah which is one of the most frustrating things about this case because I feel like everyone has been waiting for for so long and there's people who are demanding and really need justice and closure like the families of the identified victims. So it's really frustrating in that sense, just like seeing how long everyone has to wait. I mean, 20 years just to get an identification is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, we want to hear your theories and reactions to the case. Like this is really the, the, the greatest part of, of interviews is just like getting your take, you know, what are some of the first things that have popped into your head? Yeah. What's your take? Yeah. I'll start first on peaches because that's the closest to home. Mm-hmm. Um, the torso that was found at Hempstead Lake that I talked about earlier. I am undecided as to whether that is related to uh, the Gilgo for any other bodies that have been found at Gilgo Beach. I know that uh, Peaches and Peaches' child have been identified as being linked, 
I'm just not sold on a, a baby and a mother being categorized as the victims of a serial killer that we know of yet. Uh, I'm really interested in why Hempstead Lake was chosen as a burial ground or a dumping ground. Do you have any ideas on why that might be? I mean, you talked about, you know, how big it is and all the different things that you could do over there. I'd like to know exactly where the body was or the body parts were found because I've tried to look it up myself and it seems like I can pin it down to a general area, but the park is so big that it kind of could be anywhere on like, so there's two sides of the park. One is more of um, like a, a playing side and a hiking side. And the other side is where the horses are taken for uh, their walks, I guess, or horse rides. Um, and that is around like a big reservoir. So I definitely think that that's less traveled. So I don't know why a body wouldn't be dumped on that side because I can almost guarantee that there, there's less foot, foot traffic on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was younger and my dad would take us for drives over there, he would say like, oh, you know, when I was young, they found a gun in the reservoir because it's like such a great place for you to dump something that's kind of suspicious yeah. and get away with it because there isn't a lot of people over there. So I, I wonder why. And then I think maybe it's somehow tied into a state park employee or a parks department employee because like Yogo Beach is a I think Yogo Beach is a state park or it's near Jones Beach which is a state park and that's right Mm -hmm. down the block or the street um so I wonder if that's connected because Hempstead Lake there's like a kind of like a toll bridge kind of arm and a little station where there's a parks employee that will uh take the like the park fee from you and check you in. So you can't during peak season get in without paying because then it closes after sundown. So I wonder Mm -hmm. how someone would access that with, uh, you know, the green, what is it? Tupperware that the person is found in. So I I don't know how someone, because there's fishing there, but still, I think it would be strange for you to see someone walking through the park with a, obviously very heavy yeah it's a big bit and then just leave it it's very strange yeah and then it was it was found so quickly to the time that they felt that she had been killed Mm -hmm. yeah they thought it was like a a rotting animal Mm -hmm. but no one goes hunting there like trap hunting for squirrels it's Mm -hmm. fishing but it's like very small fish Mm -hmm. because it's not like a natural waterway right i think that's a really good point like the logistics of actually disposing of human remains in a place like that with a being in a more trafficked area which is really interesting and actually connects with the bodies that were dumped in manorville because they were both dumped in an area that was specifically heavily foot trafficked Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's that like weird sort of egotistic aspect of maybe they don't care enough or maybe they actually want the body to be found um Mm -hmm. but then also the thing that you said about you know how could they even get in if it's peak season and it's like such a conspicuous object to be carrying around um and obviously you know we're dealing with when peaches was um 
was murdered. It was yeah. pre 9-11. So, which I know, you know, like obviously doesn't have much to do with state what park monitoring, <laughs> state park monitoring, but yeah. just like monitoring in general was yeah. much, um, it was, it was not as emphasized as it was post 9-11. So I think that, you know, you have that added level of like lackadaisical behavior with seeing someone carrying something in. But I still feel like since she was found, what, like maybe three days after uh, after she had been murdered, or at least that was the estimated time of death, that someone would have remembered like, oh, yeah, there was a guy carrying a giant green Rubbermaid container and it seemed super out of place. Um, yeah. You have none of that testimony. You don't have any idea of how someone got in there. So I think that's a really interesting point about uh, access. Yeah, I think about it, but I don't, of course, I don't know because at the time when the body was found, I was two years old. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the layout yeah. of the park was then, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine that it would be that different. Like the mm-hmm. park is still the same size and it still would have the same entryways because there's only two entryways. And then there's a land bridge that uh, goes over the main road there. But then if you were to avoid the, the toll booth, you'd have to walk over the land bridge. And mm-hmm, you're not going to yeah. walk over the land bridge with a Rubbermaid container yeah, and yeah. not get caught. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the, the uh, sort of like yeah. topic of access is really important, both with like Peaches, but also with the GoGo4 and just, you know, having those bodies um, be right next to the, you know, upper middle class community of Oak Beach. Like it's yeah. someone that for some reason is not suspicious. You know, for some reason people, if they had seen something, they're not thinking twice about it, which is mm-hmm. the same, you know, with instances like Ted Bundy and Golden State Killer, you have this yeah. seemingly innocuous person walking around. And because they don't stick out to you in that way, you don't call it in because there's in your mind there's nothing to call in do you have any other like thoughts or theories about some of the the other bodies i know you mentioned that you don't think that the peaches and her baby are connected to the gilgo four um can you expand on that a little bit yeah i think it's significant that she is i mean of course, the child is kind of like a question mark, um, as well as the John Doe that's found on Gilgo Beach. They're kind of like outliers in terms of who are these people, because they're not women in their 20s, or mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone found that was identified as being in their 30s, but they're not women, and they're not sex workers, and we still don't know who they are, mm-hmm. but there's a baby there, which is strange, because why would... Uh, I mean, I'm sure it happens, but I don't think, I, I can't believe it's that often that a sex worker would bring their baby to a client meeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know who would have access to a mother and child without immediately being suspicious. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, I can't believe that it would be a partner of someone or a husband or a father of a child, because I think that would kind of be like immediately suspicious for people that, you know, someone goes missing. And of course, the finger is first pointed at the male partner or Mm -hmm. the father figure. So I don't know. And then the jewelry that's on the bodies too. Why would you leave the jewelry on a body? Because wouldn't that be, you know, another clue 
to mm-hmm. give to the police. So I'm not exactly sure. It's definitely like a wrench in kind of like the gears of figuring out who it is or like why yeah. the body is in two separate places. That's also interesting to me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like something that's really interesting and a huge question mark to me is um, both a, why, you know, why are we finding body parts in different areas? Like what's the meaning behind that? But also mm-hmm. um, like you said, I think that there's a really different treatment of um, the body's postmortem of like peaches and the toddler and her toddler um, than like the Gilgo four, because right. We're, if we're dealing with a profile of the person that killed the Gilgo four, who is really meticulous and possibly a family man and possibly coming from an affluent community, if his wife and, or, you know, girlfriend and child suddenly went missing, I think people would notice, you know, if that's, if that's who we're dealing with. And that just doesn't follow. Obviously none of this is supposed to be linear because, you know, these are humans who have really complicated and complex psyches and, but I just think that it doesn't make sense to me, which is why I mentioned that I think that we might be dealing with three different people last time. Um, you know, I think that we're seeing specific behaviors that sort mm-hmm. of are not only huge question marks, but they are almost like like butting each other's heads. It's They're just dichotomous. Like, yeah, they don't. Yeah. They they just scream to me that we need to take a closer look at um, at connecting the bodies at all if it weren't for the um what's the word that i want the proximity of these bodies people wouldn't consider a connection absolutely i think there's a huge um muddiness in the fact that these bodies Mm. have been found in such close proximity and i think in some ways it's really like helpful and important to acknowledge it But in others, I think, especially given the history of the police department sort of fully bungling the case, I think it's time to maybe start, you know, not prioritizing proximity quite as much as has been already. I mean, how do you think the Manorville bodies sort of play into this? Well, I only really know Manorville because I believe there's a zoo there. (laughs) I think it's a petting zoo, actually. And I only went when I was about 12 or 10. So it's been a while, but I think most people that actually live in Nassau County will think, well, Suffolk County is like, you know, wide open spaces. And it's, uh, which I mean, to some extent it is depending on where you are in Suffolk County, yeah. but Manorville is definitely, I mean, if it, if it has the space for a petting zoo and like mm-hmm. space that animals can roam and run free, you can imagine. Um, I also believe there's like a state park there or at least like a, a park which could be where the bodies were found yeah there's peconic river park yeah so i think that ties in too of it being a well a state park or at least an area of greenery Mm -hmm. that people can walk around and you know have some leisure time in it's Mm -hmm. not super secluded it's you know fairly well trafficked if Mm -hmm. there's walking paths and Mm -hmm. you can you know walk a dog there or something like that and i also think it was off the main road which i thought was interesting too yeah yeah it was. I think I just like having this conversation with you realized how um, the different dumping grounds of the bodies really coincide with uh, 
like state parks, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I think, I don't know if Manorville is a state park. I mean, I know Jones Beach is definitely a state park because that's why the Sean and Gilbert phone call was directed to another place. And Hempstead Lake is yeah. a state park because that's in the name. So I, I don't, uh, I honestly couldn't even tell you which like police force investigated the Peaches Torso finding. Mm-hmm. I, it was likely state police. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure who re- like responded first to the Manorville bodies being found either. I'm not sure if that was state police or Suffolk police, but the fact that they're all in either county parks or state parks mm-hmm. is like, I, I think it all kind of ties it into, you know, a, a, uh, it ties it all together more mm-hmm. than as if they were found like on, you know, the beach itself. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know just like on like a sidewalk or something totally and so Kathleen um of all of the suspects do you have a favorite like who do you think is the most likely the perpetrator or perpetrators shall we say there has to be a group of people that are aware of what's happening right mm-hmm. so I think it has to do with someone in Oak Beach I don't think that it's a coincidence that Shannon Gilbert is a sex worker advertising on Craigslist that goes missing in Oak Beach, mm-hmm. which is right down the street from Gilgo Beach. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if she was another, like, a, another victim mm-hmm. um, of a serial killer or if her death and disappearance is a coincidence, but I think that she was there and she had to be part of a pattern of someone that's well off and gets women to make out calls. Totally. And we've like mentioned that before. I know Emma has brought it up time and again of that phone call that Amber took um, and just like ran out of the house. Obviously we're dealing with someone who in one way or another gets women to trust that they're going to, you know, be okay or trust that they are going to be able to be paid. Like there's some Mm -hmm. level of trust there. I also think Shannon Gilbert, I, most people on Long Island could probably identify her in, uh, you know, like a lineup of pictures because she is, or she has become like the poster child for uh, Long Island serial killer. I, I imagine that's probably a testament to her mom and the kind of movement that her mom has uh created or established in you know not shaming sex workers and that Mm -hmm. sex workers are people that Mm -hmm. you know have have dignity and have a life and have an identity that's separate from their line of work um but i definitely think like anyone on long island when they think long island serial killer or google beach they definitely think shy gilbert So in addition to the other perspectives that we've had, we also wanted to get the input from someone that works in law enforcement. This person isn't necessarily associated with the case. His name's Steve, and he is from New York, um, specifically within Brooklyn. And he heard a lot about this case just because of the severity of it and the complexity of it. And we really just wanted to talk to him to understand from the lens of someone in law enforcement, what their opinions on the case are. So here's Steve. 
So Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's so good to have you on here. We're just really interested in picking your brain a bit um, to see like if there's any other insights or points of view um, about the case that might really help us move forward in it. So just tell us a bit about yourself. My name is Steve and I'm a police officer in the city of New York. Um, I've been a police officer since 2007. Mm -hmm. Then worked most of my career in Brooklyn. That's, that's what I do for a living. That's what keeps my lights on. I mean, so you've obviously heard about the Gilgo Beach Four and the Long Island serial killer. I mean, so when this happened, I can imagine, although it wasn't happening in your precinct, like a lot of um, you know people were talking about it. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like back then? Well, I, I work with a lot of officers who live out on Long Island. Some of them even drive, drive down that stretch. So it was obviously a... Um, a very topical conversation back in like when yeah. they started to find multiple uh, cadavers um, mm -hmm. in in a fo focused area out there, and mm -hmm. uh, so it was a it was a topic of conversation. You know, in police work you you're dealing with the, the the crime and the case right in front of you. You know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you know when you hear of these grisly murders or killings, you just like anyone that's fascinated by or terrified by or uh, driven to come up with their own answers. Um, so we're police officers and we spitball things and, you know, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. So just to kind of give a background. So we're talking about the Long Island serial killer and he was someone that targeted sex workers and is believed to be responsible for the murders of up to 16 individuals over a period of 20 years. And it's believed that he possibly had two dumping areas um, in Manorville and also Gilgo Beach where the bodies were found in uh, back in 2011. And one of the key reasons why these two locations are linked is because of Jane Doe 6 who was recently identified as Valerie Mack. So her head, right foot and hands were found at Gilgo Beach, but the rest of her body was found in Manorville. Just talking about these two different dumping areas, why do you think he dumped Valerie Mack's body parts between Gilgo Beach and Manorville? Do you have like any insight on what that could mean? Yeah, so the first, my first re reaction to this was on the timeline, she's likely the, the earliest victim Right. It feels like maybe the killer felt it was too close to home, too close. You know, maybe they they panicked and took took a, a long drive. How, how what's the, the geographic uh, difference between the two? Ooh, that's it's really about uh, 60 miles. So okay. it's, that's a long stretch. It's quite that's a drive. A, yeah, that's a, that's an hour drive at least. Um, you know, it's it just felt to me like, you know, he hadn't gotten into the swing of things yet and this might have and valerie mack might have been the first victim do you um, think that um there's a chance you know since this is just like a wide uh range of space between these locations that kind of like um a difference in jurisdiction and kind of like um you know whether or not those jurisdictions would work together could drive him to have put these of course that's possible they but we'd have i think maybe we'd have to then assume that this person was very cognizant of of the fact that they were leaving one jurisdiction for another. Um, mm -hmm. If that's if that's the case, then it's it's also possible that this person was making a game of it. And someone that's cognizant of law, like jurisdiction, right, right. means they right. might be someone mm -hmm. 
that possibly knows a lot about law enforcement. It, that's so certainly possible, or somebody that somebody that has a criminal past, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and and you know you know most people probably you three are probably or were probably aware that you know one police officer doesn't cover you know a thousand miles of of land it's split up right mm -hmm. but i you know as far as the jurisdiction question goes my gut says if that was something on their mind then maybe they thought they didn't want to get the police involved where they live and what's interesting is so it seems like if this is all the same person the the earlier bodies that were found were like dismembered Mm -hmm. And then he, if this is the same guy, he then changes his MO to manual strangulation. Um, and he then starts dumping the bodies in burlap sacks. And these are the four bodies, other bodies that were found at Gilgo Beach, mm -hmm. along with Valerie Mack's um, head and some other body parts. Yeah, yeah that's too much of a coincidence I, yeah. for right. me. And I also want to interject with, so he started with if we're linking this this the bodies together he started with dismemberment mm -hmm. but he may have been strangling the women but because he the you know valerie mack um and then jessica taylor uh they were decapitated their hyoid bone which would be indicative of you know manual strangulation might have been uh damaged in the process which would not allow a medical examiner to to have a proper cause of death so mm -hmm. we don't know that these women weren't strangled but we That's do true. know that if it was the same person for some reason he stopped uh you know decapitating and dismembering his victims and he moved to this very ritualistic burial in burlap sacks next to one another in the same area um mm, interesting maybe that's somebody that pays as close attention to these types of things as we do and recognizes the advances um, and, 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 and also could have recognized just the basic boom in population in that area and might have realized mm -hmm. that he had to switch things up. Mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting. Uh, that's the profile on serial killers is they're always so highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sociopaths mm -hmm. are, are typically pretty brilliant. Mm -hmm. So, um, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was mm -hmm. was was very intelligent person. So Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack are the only two that had their heads cut off. So Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor are definitely linked together because they were found in almost the same exact spot off of the same road in Manorville. Um, and the treatment of their bodies was pretty much to a T exactly the same. Their arms their feet and their heads were cut off um, and they were wrapped in plastic. And then it was those um, dismembered body parts that were then found in Gilgo Beach. So Jessica Taylor's seems... trunk was found where? Mm -hmm. In Manorville as well. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's two rock mm -hmm. solid done by the same person. Definitely. For sure. And then we also have their body parts popping up in a place where we know there is another person who's definitely linked to four killings. So the, the question really is, is are they linked together? And the f additional four victims found at Gilgo Beach were uh, murdered later, closer towards 2010, uh, 2007 to 2010. Mm -hmm. So 
it's mm. kind of like is this an evolving mo of mm -hmm. someone who has kind of like does he get cocky and think i don't need to go to the effort of dismembering and separating parts of the bodies anymore i got this i'm gonna dump the bodies whole and mm -hmm. kind of refine my art as such maybe he needed an audience two were spread out you've got four more bodies but this time are they decapitated and dismembered in the same manner they're actually completely intact, mm -hmm. which completely is intact. a huge deviation from what we've just talked about. Yeah. Something that I just thought of. So Jessica Taylor, whoever killed her, tried really, really hard to um, uh, mutilate one of her tattoos. And mm. so the, you know, investigators have put forth an idea that this person is not dismembering out of a ritualistic need to do so, but is probably doing it because those are, you know, the skull, the fingers, the dental records, things like that are um, how you're going to get an identification. Right. And my thought process is, is, you know, Jessica Taylor's identity was discovered and then nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And what if that got him thinking that he didn't have to go through the effort anymore, that it didn't matter because of their background as sex workers and because even if they were discovered, oh, their oh, identities oh, oh. were discovered that it, he was getting away with it either way. He was taking advantage of their apathy, mm -hmm. in other mm -hmm. words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's super interesting, it's a, actually. It's, it, 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 it's rational. Uh, it's a rational sort of deduction. Um, but just because, uh, just because a, a detective might be burnt out or apathetic, doesn't mean there isn't a requirement for him to close a case. Um, and you can't just close a murder like that. That's like, you, that is really strange though. They're definitely connected. I don't, my, in my, my deductive brain, um, they're connected uh, like we've already discussed or you've already established. Um, either, it's, either it's the same person, they, they know each other, or it's somebody that, is sort of paying homage to the original. Right. Mm -hmm. um, no, no. Four bodies lined up in burlap. They're in burlap. Mm -hmm. They're not mutilated. No. They're strangled mm -hmm. to death, but they're not mm -hmm. dismembered. They're not mutilated. Nope. Yeah, that's that's diabolical. That's mm -hmm. that's one person doing all the killings and saying, "Okay, now I'm going to mix things up." You know, mm -hmm. I mean, if, and based on the fact that they're all very, very petite, it wouldn't even take a large man to, to overcome somebody that small mm -hmm. and, 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 and petite. Mm -hmm. um, especially any, any, any man, I've, I've been overpowered by people half my size in a fight um, mm -hmm. because of drugs or because just, just the um, adrenaline. Um, so the profile of the person killing these women, I'm not picturing a, a giant man, you know, I'm picturing somebody that is kind of invisible. Yeah. And that's the scariest part yeah. of it is like, you know, every profile that has been speculated has been describing this person as someone you would never suspect as someone who probably yeah. has a that's normal life or yeah. immunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going off of that, it's really kind of extra scary because the area where the four bodies were found in Gogo Beach is a really affluent area. And it's 
the type of area that you could imagine someone who fits that profile, you know, slipping through the cracks. Um, sure. It's also a space where a lot of people have summer homes and a lot of these women were abducted or killed in the summer months. And so I think what's more terrifying is we have no idea what happened after. Like we have no idea if this person is dead, if they were arrested for something else or right. moved and kept killing. That's the that's the 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 the, the sort of morbid one of the morbid aspects of, of following a case like this is you don't you don't want another victim, but when you're in the dark and 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 piecing puzzle pieces together, the only thing that can can put a light on it or or reinvigorate a case is them killing again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're chasing breadcrumbs, you're you're because you're you're working off patterns when you're working an investigation. I've never investigated a serial killing, but I've investigated home invasions, I've investigated burglaries and robberies, and it's no different in that you're working patterns. Mm-hmm. Pat- and when patterns go cold, you you you, you flip yeah. it upside down and inside mm-hmm. out just like just like you're doing. You you consider all the angles and um it doesn't always lead to the light. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it leads you into a, into a corner and you're just like what did we miss? What are, what are we not seeing? And then, you know, boom, another home gets robbed mm-hmm. and invaded. Mm-hmm. When you, when you were looking left, they, they went, went right. right. And mm-hmm. yeah. So um, that's, the, that's a, that's a really difficult part. And like you said, he could be in prison for something else. They could be mm-hmm. dead. They could, mm-hmm. they could, they could be dead. I suggested to Emma in a text that it could also be a pimp. It could also mm-hmm. be somebody that was running sex workers, but to be fair, I can't give that much credit to a pimp to be that diabolical and sociopathic. I can't. They're not that bright. Yeah, there is a level of um, accuracy, yeah. for lack of a better word, and like real meticulousness to the way that this person is disposing of the of the bodies. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just so like repetitive and ritualistic, and it just doesn't seem like no DNA right on the older victims. So no DNA found on the older victims. None that we know of. Obviously, because it's an open investigation, I'm sure there's a ton of information that investigators uh, have not shared with the public. Sure. Skin cells um, under the nails, anything. Exactly. Like so I wouldn't be surprised if they do have DNA because they have recently, and I'm literally looking at a picture of it right now, they've recently released um, a photograph of a belt that they are saying is without a doubt linked to the perpetrator it Maybe was they found, were strangled with the belt so that is a possibility um we don't know what the belt has to, or how they know the belt is linked to the perpetrator because you know they could just as easily say that this is one of the victim's belts um but for some reason investigators have made clear that it they believe that this belt is linked to the perpetrator um and that it has you know it has this really strange uh, monogrammed either W, H, or H, M on it. If it was left um, there on purpose, my, my gut says that those, those initials do not go back to the person that killed those women. So I have a question. 
So, you know, like this case has been going on for so many years and all of a sudden this year they've released the um, the identity of Jane Doe 6 being Valerie Mack and also released the new evidence or evidence, shall we say, of the belt. I mean, what does this say about the case? I mean, is do you think that there's something happening behind the scenes that they're not telling us and that they're getting ready? There's, to there's always of- stuff happening behind the scenes that they're not telling you. Always. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There's always right. stuff that they're not telling you because, the, you know, it's a criminal investigation. Um, it's safe to assume any serial killer pays attention to the attention being paid to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the mutual, that's the symbiotic relationship between a, a sociopath like we're talking about and the press, the, the you know, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. The, the, the three of them all go hand in hand. So if anything gets released to the press by investigators, it's, it, it's not out of the kindness of their own heart. It's mm-hmm. to, it's to hopefully manipulate the serial killer into messing up. It's, it's also to hopefully inspire anyone in any way related to this case to maybe come forward that belt with those initials on it. You know, if I'm an investigator and I'm running out of ideas and um, you know, I might confer with my boss and my partners and be like, how's it going to hurt our case? If we, if we reveal this belt with initials on it, how will it mm-hmm. help hurt our case? <laughs> if, if H if HM is in fact the initials of the man uh, who did this to these women. Okay. Then that's the, that's really the only breadcrumb we're willing to give the public that are fascinated with this case because it'll bring it might bring necessary attention to this somebody might come forward maybe somebody comes sees the hm and and is paying attention to the case and maybe says you know what i knew uh uh i knew a a henry or a harold harold and maude all of a sudden i thought of (laughs) h&m but uh i knew a i knew a, a, a a henry miller and um he was the weirdest kid in class any of those yeah. things an investigator is like please give it to us because now i've got leads good i'm gonna go look up henry miller where is henry miller oh he, he was in the army and then he was discharged whatever it is i'm gonna follow up on that mm-hmm. so it, that that belt being released is by design yeah a hundred percent interesting um, and just like circling back to what you were saying before about you think like this person, the identity of them is invisible as such, someone that slips between the cracks. I mean, what type of job could you imagine like someone that is invisible as such would be having like, what would they be like? Well, when I say invisible, um, I, I think I'm, what I more mean is nondescript. You mm-hmm. said it, um, one of you said it before, um, not a pillar of the community necessarily, but a normal guy, mm-hmm. a normal guy, nobody would ever suspect kind of guy. Yeah. Now, when I say invisible, you know, my focus in the last couple of years has been active shooters. As you know, Emily, that's mm-hmm. what I, I give my presentations to the private sector about surviving active shooters and um, profile an active shooter is typically socially invisible somebody that's somebody you know an incel is perfect example you know what i mean something like that so these are people who are socially um undesired Mm -hmm. socially awkward not in not in any kind of circle of friends like well you know so but this the profile on this person might not match that profile they might be a guy that drives a cab 
Yeah. Uh, has a job. Can carry on conversations rent an, with their neighbors, you know, rents guy. an apartment. Um, right. Right. Is, um, is somebody who can manipulate, um, people into liking them, mm-hmm. you know, like Ted Bundy did. Ted Bundy charmed mm-hmm. the pants off everybody he met. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that these are all sex workers, uh, this person could have a real morality bent, a real morality kink, you know, like mm-hmm. some sick fundamentalist or, or um, uh, you know, somebody with the, the, some savior complex cleaning the streets mm-hmm. of, of the, the evils of our world or what have you. Um, it, that could be so. So this person, this person could, uh, could go to church. They could be a, they could be a, a good God fearing member of, of their little community. Um, so I, I would say invisible is probably not the best word to describe this person. It's pro, it's more just somebody with no edges, somebody, somebody that doesn't necessarily, um, pose a threat to anybody in general, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but just like all of these other profiles, they, they need attention. Mm-hmm. They, even if it's obscure, they need attention. Um, and the, of course, all the power that they gain from that, the power of, of, of the, of the awful uh, victim is it, you know, what the, the awful brutal uh, violence that they commit against the women, the, pa- the power over a, an entire police department, power over them the power over the press that's all like i am dominating you i you mm-hmm. you, you idiots can't figure this out on the smartest mm-hmm. person in the room um that's the profile of btk that was the profile you know like it's just ted bundy was so arrogant he defended himself in court mm-hmm. um well thank you so much this was enlightening yeah this was incredible thank you so really, much Steven. really enjoyed the conversation well, good yes. good but i hope yeah. you guys put your heads together you've heard some uh, new things and then I can't wait to hear what you have then put together based on what we've talked about. So, Thanks for listening, guys. This is Ossuary, over and out.